Hi, everybody. Welcome. Okay. Damn it. God damn it. Man. I'm sorry. I fucked it up. Well, we're not newbies. Let's yeah. do this. Let's do this. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Katie. And I'm Kate. And this is Paris-meditated. Oh. Yes. Choir practice is paying off. Just really getting good at singing. <laughs> the other day, like, he goes, Mommy, why do you always sing? And I'm like, I don't know if I should be offended by that question or like if you're just making a point that I do always sing. But yes, I do always sing. I just like assume everybody always is singing. Yeah. Like in the car. Because what else do you do to enjoy music? No, no. And like Um, like, drum. I have a funny story about that. When I was driving back from seeing my horse yesterday, I was the Alex Clare song came on. That's uh, it was popular. Like, God, I don't know. 10, 15 years ago. It it's called too close or so close or something. It's Feels like so close yeah. to you right yeah. now. Yeah. No, 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 not that no, one. Okay. No. Nope. Wrong. Wrong. Oh shoot! It's called. It's just too close to love you, and I feel too good to hurt you. <laughs> like I can't think of the words now, of course, because we're live. But anyway, it's I was rocking out to this song as you do. As I, I mean, do. I, as I feel most people do, but I guess that's not the case. No. And I don't mind if people like catch me. Oh God, me neither. Yeah. Like rocking out. But if I cut them off and then they pull up to flip me off and they catch me singing, mm. that's probably got to piss them off even more. Like, have, have you heard of the new thing of people instead of flicking off, you just give people a thumbs down. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Cause it almost feels like worse. Like if somebody yeah. kinda, like thumbs me down, I'd be like, I feel it's not like as angry. It's just kind of like. I, I know. Okay. I would laugh because yeah, I, I already know I'm a terrible driver, and the, I honestly the worst. I am the worst. Truly the worst. <laughs> but uh, I, I think the last time I flipped someone off, they were going. They cut across in front of me because they missed their exit, and I flipped them off right as they went. Sorry, 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 oh, like yeah. that. And that's, I felt like such a dirty bitch. Like I, I, I don't, I I mean, I get very road ragey. It is the one time when I find myself getting so yeah, angry. I so do. I have to like mentally be like, okay, it, it, this is gonna cost you 20 seconds. It's yep. not a big deal. Like yep. that's what I have to tell myself too, because I hardly ever drive anymore yeah. except to go see Triton. And and it's a straight shot on 35, and but God. But man, it gets frustrating. You hit like right outside Lakeville and it cuts down to like three lanes. Yeah. And Derek, people. And, yeah. And drive. Go slow, slow. And the thing that drives me crazy is people that are getting onto the freeway yeah, that and they're like in front of you and they don't go freeway speed. You're like, your car works fine. Do I always like, <laughs> that's what i imagine them in their car like bouncing them down slightly <laughs> fucking hurry up okay well so that's that uh, that's the uh, that we got last um, time. so we have some super exciting stuff for today like, yeah first and foremost i was at the grocery store and for those of you that don't aren't from the midwest i think it's a mid- ranch dressing as a midwest thing wouldn't you say i don't know i i that's what uh my friend tanya says but uh, like in in like Nebraska, they have like ranch dressing in like pumpy thing. Like see, it they is, did they did where I when what Eastern Oregon is weird. Okay, it's like it's like a little melting. Like, pot it's of, like we think we're for like we talk like we're from the south and we eat like we're from the Midwest and like it's just weird. But well, yeah, I did. Dressing. I've heard that ranch dressing is a very Midwestern thing. I love ranch. I absolutely, uh, I'm obsessed with it. Um, and so 
recently I got several messages from people who are aware of my love of ranch telling me that this ice cream brand, oh, Van Leeuwen, I'm probably saying it wrong. I should. I should Van Leeuwen. It's Leeuwen. French. It seems to me like it's Austrian. Van Leeuwen, like, or Swedish or something. You well, it ain't, Kate. It says right here, French ice cream. Well, the ice cream could be French, but the brand might be Shut something up. else. <laughs> Shut your whore mouth. Do you call Hershey's Hershey's? Ooh. Well, I will now. Uh, <laughs> so Van Leeuwen, Lee, Leeuwen, Leeuwen. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah. based, yeah, yeah, <laughs> based out of New York City, and they made a Hidden Valley Ranch ice cream. So I was like, you know what? I got to do it because everyone knows I love ranch and I do love ranch. So I bought it today. And as I'm sitting in my kitchen about like I scooped, I literally scooped a scoop out. You can see. Okay. And I was going to try it. And I like had the spoon almost in my mouth. And I thought, no, no. Tonight's podcast night. Kate and I are going to try this and, ice cream. And that is why you are a goddamn air. American hero. Yeah. I mean, like. I love ice cream. I can't imagine that this is going to be good, but we have to try it, right? I know. I was a little iffy because ice cream on a windy, cold day when right. there, we have yeah. a chance of snow yeah, in March, sure, like, sure, sure. but I'm doing it for science. <laughs> yeah. So we, okay. got, we got our spoons. This is like we got when my spoons. cousin Danielle was here and we did the um, root beer, the root beer uh, taste. You know, that's, Hot, stupid. I, that's stupid. I, It drives me nuts how you say it. Root beer. Root beer. Oh, yeah. We've been through. We've yeah. Been through. Okay. Oh, my God. You took a lot. No, I just, I'm going for it. Oh, God. Oh, I'm God. Smelling, it literally smells like ranch. Oh, God. It does. I kind of hate that. Okay. I hate it, too. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Nope. Nope. Well, wait a minute. That is odd. It's got a pepper aftertaste. Kind of vanilla y yeah, pepper. Like, hmm. That is weird. It's like it's I don't hate it as much as I, I don't it. hate it, but I'm I kinda like it. I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want to eat anymore. I might get a little bit more. It's very bizarre. In a good way? Yeah. You know what would be really good? Dipping some chips in that bad boy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> like a frozen dip. Oh my God, you're a genius. Yeah. Salty and sort of sweet. That yeah. would be really good. Yeah. Okay. So maybe uh, we'll save this for like a summer party when we have chips. Like, but like slightly melted too. So it's like, oh my God. Yeah. That's that. It's going to be good. What if, no, cheese wouldn't do well. No. With, no. Okay. Let's not take yeah. this too far. <laughs> let's, I always just take it right <laughs> over the line. So what we're going to do is we're going to save this this here pint for summertime and we're gonna have a barbecue. yeah that'll definitely yeah. keep until the summer <laughs> like, like hopefully a couple months away uh <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> i would just say we've had this is like the coldest march that we've had since yep. like i don't know 1901 or something yep. so that's fun but yeah guys this no they're not sponsoring us because we don't have any sponsors we're, we ain't famous uh quite yet but this value <laughs> and ice cream ranch dressing flavored Ranch dressing flavor. What a, what a strange treat. I mean, what honestly, a, I don't hate it. It's not really a treat, though. Yeah, like, a weird. treat is something that you're like, ooh, and you're looking forward to it all day. And this, yeah. I was like, hmm, I'm curious. Yeah. Like, in a way that I'm curious about 
water bras. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I am curious about that. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Except that I run into stuff all the time yeah. and you know I would punch it, You would just, yeah. okay, what, why is your chest sopping wet? Oh, no, no reason. No. Water fountain mishap. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, uh, before we get started on my case, because it's my night, it's my night. It's, it's my night and I get to do what I want. <laughs> and I get to do what I want. Uh, two things. Uh, first thing, I made a new friend at the horse stables. Oh, yeah. Her name is Britt. And she was interested. I mentioned our podcast. Yeah. And she said, oh, I want to listen to it. And she seems really cool. And so <laughs> she saw that our last case was Brandon Swanson. Yeah. And she knows his aunt. Stop. Nope. That is crazy. Yeah. Does so, she have any good juicy insight? Like, what does she think? Uh, I just met her, so okay, I felt kind of weird, like, probing her for information about a right. missing kid. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's yeah. fair. Like, oh, you Next know her. Next <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you have three. I didn't want her to suspect my motives for being <laughs> friends with her. Like, oh, Britt, we know that you know his aunt. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah right. This like, meeting didn't happen by chance. That's a strange coincidence that we just met up. Yeah. Like, is it? And then I've been waiting here by my car. Until <laughs> no. She's no, really um, cool. She's going to be listening to this yeah out. so no yeah. that didn't happen no it didn't it. happen nope <laughs> nope not at all i feel bad that we're laughing but know, not but you know no. you have to yeah you i mean you. that's kind of like when the keith airport story what? where yeah when we were flying home for my dad's service we uh we were at the minneapolis airport and <laughs> we went to this like of course ridiculously expensive coffee shop yeah, because, because caribou had a super long line yeah and uh, we ordered and then we walked over near this table and Keith just pulled a chair out and sat down and I was passing him to go stand behind him. And as I was passing him and almost practically behind him, he, this woman was walking the same direction. And uh, so Keith, I hear him say, do you want to sit here? And he pats his lap <laughs> with both hands, with both hands. And this woman that's walking towards him, because he made eye contact with her, she just goes, no, thank you. (laughs) And I'm looking at him from behind going, like, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, what did you just, like, have you not been out in public? The answer is no. No. He hangs out with trees all day. He hangs out with trees all day. What do we expect of him? And his face turned so red and he goes, no, I met my wife. And then I started (laughs) laughing. So hard, and she was laughing, and then I said the best part was, and he's not laughing; he's just super embarrassed. Yeah, right. And I said the best part was you being so polite. Yeah, I don't, only no, in Minnesota. No, thank you. No, I think I'd you. rather not. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, but thank you so much for asking. Wow. But anyway, yeah, like your situation, she ended up being on our plane. Yeah, <laughs> right next to you. She goes walk down the alley, like. What if she sat like next to you guys? It was the lap padding. You want to sit here? No thanks. (laughs) No thank you. No thank you. (laughs) Poor Keith. All right, yeah. So it is my night. It is a cake night, and I am uh, pretty excited. 
excited because this is an oldie but a goodie. Ooh, yeah, I love um, it. It's goodie. very obscure. I'm not sure that very many people uh, would know about this one. And it's about a female killer. <laughs> so it's the, I don't know why I did that. When I was at, when I was at the Hilbert <laughs> conference, like a month and a half ago or something, one of the presenters, I can't remember why, but she was like, okay, now everyone, I want you to practice your best. And I was like, I think it was like an icebreaker or something. I can't quite remember. And I'm like, man, I've practiced so hard for this moment. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is like, re, re, re. And I'm like, red, letter, yellow, red, yellow, So tonight we're going to talk about the murderous matron, dun, dun, dun. Bertha Gifford. Her name's Bertha. Bertha. I mean, you can't, I, it's no. hard to believe that somebody named Bertha would be a killer. No. Bertha. That's Bertha. a that's such an unfortunate name. Thank God that's kind of like fallen out because it's a terrible name. Yeah, really. but you know some hipster is gonna be like, let's name our child. You're right. Bertha. It's gonna come back. It's yeah. gonna make a comeback. And then we spent spelt like B-E-R-Y-T-H-A-A. Uh Bertha Alice Williams was born in 1876. Yeah, it's a good oldie. Just outside the small community of Morse Mill. Morse Mill? Morse Mill. Like two words? Yeah. Morse Mill, Missouri. Morse Mill, Missouri. Morse, Morse Mill, Missouri. I'm from Morse Mill, Missouri. That is a tongue tie. That is a tongue tie. Or tongue twister. Tongue twist. Is that what it's called? Tongue I twister? don't know. I don't want to debate this with you. What <laughs> <laughs> do you mean? Like, Sally sells seashells down by the seashore. What's that called? A tongue twister. Tongue twister. Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. Tongue I don't twister. know. The village, it's located at the village. What is this? An M. Night Shyamalan movie? <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> The, um, if only. Morse Mill is located about 40 miles south of St. Louis. The village had grown up around uh, a house in a grain mill owned by John H. Morse. Uh, the house built in 1816 would later be turned into a hotel where Bertha worked for a time. Bertha's family, the Williams, were some of the first settlers in the area. So WP was her father and Matilda Williams had 10 children. All oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So Bertha was one of 10 kids. What do you mean? Oh my God. Rosemary I across know. the street has 12 kids. And yeah. they all grew up in a tiny, like three bedroom bungalow house. Yeah. In a suburb of Minneapolis. Yep. I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, so 10 kids, although two died in infancy. Um, Bertha was the ninth child to be born. The family was well-respected uh, in the community, and they actually belonged to this fundamentalist Christian sect known as the Church of God, Faith of Abraham. That kind of shaped who she was as a person. Uh, Bertha grew up to be an exceptionally beautiful young woman and was believed to be the prettiest girl in Jefferson County. Wow. She had long black hair, flashing eyes, and a bright smile. Aww. She loved music, loved to dance, and was very social, which helped attract young men I'm from sure it did. all over the area. <laughs> all, all over Missouri. All over Missouri. Okay. Uh, she loved the attention they gave her. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, you know. I don't on December 20th, 1894, at the age of 22, Bertha married a man named Henry Graham. Henry Graham. 
He had been born in Morse Mill in 1872, and his family had been in the region for generations. Okay. So Henry also had a large family. His He had three sisters and four brothers. I mean, it was just like the chance. Well, there was no birth control, so it was just like. Just- well, and also, if you think about it, like the chances of your kid making it to adulthood yeah, that's were pretty true. slim. So Henry had three sisters and four brothers. One of his brothers, Peter, had committed suicide by swallowing carbolic acid. What? Yeah, that sounds awful. Wouldn't that just literally tear your esophagus apart? Oh my God, that's awful. Yeah, that was just a random fact. Oh, that's Um, gross. Anyway, so they were were an attractive and happy couple. They ran the hotel, uh, the boarding house, which became the Morse Mill Hotel. So she worked there. And then they owned it. They ended up owning it. Okay. And in July 1896, they had their daughter, Lila. Lila? That's a pretty name. Yeah. They had the appearance of an ideal family, even though by 1900, they were living with Bertha's brother, Albert. Henry, there was some infidelity. So Henry helped out as a farmhand and Bertha kept house for the family. Something happened to shatter their marital bliss like but we do know that henry started carrying on with another woman oh but bertha who was still a a very attractive woman wasted little time in worrying about that uh about her husband's affair she instead started spending time with eugene gifford okay a young man seven years her junior oh okay good for you bertha yeah he fell in love with her and broke off his engagement to another woman. Oh shit! Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so the drama begins on her, but <clears throat> she retaliated mm-hmm. by finding a younger boyfriend and who cheated on his fiance oh. with her. Yuck. Yeah. So we got ourselves the makings of a a lovely little triangle. Yeah. Or not a triangle because uh, mm-hmm. square. Yeah. Yeah. Square. A lovely little. A lovely little. Well, just rectangle pattern. <laughs> <laughs> Four angled shape. Quadrilateral. A nice little quadrilateral. A nice little lurid quadrilateral. <laughs> I love quadrilateral. I love quadrilateral. No. Eugene. He was, was the one that she was cheating. Yeah. With. Yeah. Okay. Was a strapping farmer and okay. carpenter with thick brown hair and blue eyes. Beautiful. At nearly six feet tall. He was almost a foot taller than Bertha and was clearly enamored with her. Their relationship, as well as Henry's affair, became a badly kept secret in the community because, you know, those small towns, everybody knows. Bertha's marital drama came to an abrupt halt when Henry became gravely ill. Oh, okay. He was initially... So so this whole time, they're just like, they're still married. Yeah, they're they're still married. They're just... And they have the daughter, Lila. Yeah. He was initially diagnosed with pneumonia. And uh, Bertha refused to leave his side. So she was like 24 seven. Oh, that's shocking. As his condition became worse. Is it though? I know. Right. Like I Um, I can see where this is going. Yeah. Like he died from the outside. It looks like, Oh, really caring. Why? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes you wonder. Yep. He died in agony on November 30th, 1906, suffering from terrible stomach pain, which was not a symptom of pneumonia. It clearly poisoned. Yeah. Yeah. He was poisoned. Doctors shrugged it off and no one questioned their findings. God. You will find as I go through this case that like the doctors were pretty incompetent. And I realized that they had limited tools and knowledge to work with being in, especially, you know, early 1900s, small town. But even for that, yeah, I'm like, mm. he was buried in the cemetery in Morse Mill near the graves of his parents. 
1907, Bertha married Eugene. Oh, shit. Okay. And the couple moved to neighboring Franklin County, just far enough away to escape the gossip. Lila moved there with her mother, but in 1914, she married Ernest West and moved to Detroit. Oh, okay. She lived until 1978, probably only because she was far away from her mother. In Franklin County, the Giffords, uh, Bertha and Eugene, moved into a small house in the tiny rural community of Catawissa. 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 Where are you guys from? Catawissa, Missouri? (laughs) That's a pretty cool name, honestly. Eugene took up farming again. And after making some money, they moved to a uh, old farmhouse on Old Bend Road overlooking the Merrimack River. Okay. Uh, The neighbors, other families who lived on what was referred to as the Bend. Okay. Were tightly knit. They were just a really tightly knit community. So did they fit into that? Yeah. Okay. So they were part of the community. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everybody liked Eugene. Okay. Um, he was a hard worker. He had a great sense of humor. He ran the farm. And Bertha, who fed the hired hands, became a beloved figure for her incredible cooking. Oh, okay. Yeah. Her biscuits were a thing of beauty. Oh, I would love some biscuits right now. Do you remember those um, sweet potato biscuits at Blackbird? Yeah. Yeah. Biscuits and gravy. And they, yeah. Oh, so God. Those biscuits were so good. R.I.P. Blackbird. Seriously, they were. They were so good. I love those biscuits. <laughs> it's like Cartman. I love those biscuits. <laughs> I, I actually do a Cartman fresh. Well, there you go. This pat so good. No, wait. <laughs> this pat so good. I can't pass to be eating it. Fuck you guys. I'm going home. Uh, yeah, and not only her biscuits were famous uh her <laughs> potato soup was potato the best soup yeah Ooh. in the county wow potato soup. what a thing to be known for you yeah know? like when i die i hope someone's like that katie she could make a good biscuit good biscuit <laughs> you know she might have murdered some people but she made a good biscuit <laughs> all they're gonna say about yeah. me is yeah we kind of thought so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we weren't sure but we were suspicious uh she was happy to have the neighbors over for supper and she often brought food to families when someone was sick so like you get the picture yeah she was was a a good person she was a lovely neighbor yeah yeah um she did gain a reputation for caring for the ill as a respected country nurse wow so she was she really was she was a good neighbor she was a good person she wow that's yeah she didn't tells me she wasn't yeah she didn't have any medical training yeah so that's yeah so that's um, like she wore the nurse's uniform but and i honestly i don't know if i mean i mean by this point she has probably already killed someone yeah and that's her ex-husband yeah but yeah so i'm not sure what her motive is at this point i i maybe she did start caring for people and then you know just got this urge to off them i don't know at first her bedside care was Little more than like uh, comforting presents and uh, cold cloth, but soon she was treating people with potions. Oh, so she was a witch. Yeah, <laughs> which I love me a witch. Not one that murders people, but I love a witch. I know. <laughs> uh, what was in them was unknown. Okay, that's concerning. Yeah, like, don't but mix up shit you're she, not sure of. Yeah, she had a different one for headaches, insomnia, and fevers. Ooh, yeah. She carried I want them. a potion for headaches. Yeah. I mean, I'm not pushing for anything, honestly. Yeah, give me should. potions. Yeah, Let's make some potions. 
like I said before, Bertha had no uh, official medical training. But she knew how to make potions. Yeah, but she she didn't even have any skills with herbs. Interesting. So she, like made shit up. Yeah, she was making things up That's as she safe. went along. That's like safe. yeah. Uh, however, I guess the placebo effect is a real thing though. So as long as they were like safe, like if you yeah. just like mix some thyme and olive oil and and are like this will help with your headache. There's no harm to that really. But yeah, if you're but like, what if she's like. You know, yeah, no, if, if she's like tweeting, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's like different foxglove, oh, that's what it is, yeah, that'll get you. That's in it all, like the Jane Austen, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, so even though she didn't have any training, um, and she was kind of making things up as she went along, it was a small rural community, and the closest doctor was miles away, yeah, right. So really they saw her as a kind hearted, like angel of mercy. Yeah. Like she's trying to help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was known to walk or ride for miles Jeez. to help a sick or injured person. Interesting. Uh, she always remained calm and collected during emergency and never flinched when stitching or bandaging even the most gruesome farm injury. And you can imagine. Well, yeah. We stuff. talked about that last week. With, yeah. You, you said like, yeah, you knew people growing up in a farming community that got that, sucked into. Yeah. That were like, didn't have arms. Legs, yes. Yes. Yeah. Different bailers. Yeah. And yeah. It's. Yeah. So in 1911, Eugene moved his widowed mother, Emily, and his little brother, James, into the farmhouse on Old Bend Road. Bertha was, of course, on the surface, warm and welcoming. Yeah. Her mother-in-law and her brother-in-law loved Bertha, and they enjoyed her fabulous cooking, obviously. Apparently, though, the unsuspecting Emily wore out her welcome quickly. Uh, she soon became violently ill oh, and no. suffering from vomiting and intense stomach cramps. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so this is her second victim. Her health declined, and she died on January 24th, 1912. So... They moved into the farmhouse in 1911. So it was like within a year. She, yeah. The yeah. mother-in-law was dead. Within a year. Yeah. Um, and of course, Eugene, Bertha's husband, was like racked by grief. Right. So Bertha just. Because he moved them there to like protect them and take care of them. And yeah. now they're. She's dead. Yeah. She's dead. Bertha with, you know, Eugene practically despondent. Bertha kindly took care of the funeral arrangements. Oh, God. Okay. So it would be the first of many funerals that Bertha would attend. She dressed in her finest mourning dress and always spoke at the funerals of the poor souls who died under her care. So okay. it's kind of like Munchausen's by proxy. Yeah. Like, I, Yes. So Eugene's brother, James, continued to live with them for another year. But on May 12th, 1913... The 12 year, he's 12 years oh, old. No. Yeah. The 12 year old boy began suffering from the same ailment that his mother died from. The fuck. Yeah. His death certificate would read that he had died of strangulation due to accumulation of mucus with inability to expectorate. Oh, so which, he literally drowned in his mucus. Yeah. It happened. said he choked to death on his own mucus. Oh my God. And then the secondary cause of death was whooping cough. Oh, so maybe it is possible that he didn't like she didn't murder him but it's the same it sounds like the same symptoms so i mean there were lots of illnesses back then people died all the time like as yeah you know morbid as it sounds but but at the same point in time like in within a year of each other with the same symptoms it seems well weird. and also he was before he had like these symptoms of like whooping cough or whatever he was weakened initially by stomach cramps and vomiting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He might've already been sick maybe when he was poisoned. Sure. 
But it's, I mean, because if he already had whooping cough, which was really common back then, yeah, it really wouldn't take much. Yeah. Uh, if you're already weak, your body's already yeah. weakened. And, and right. she was probably like, well, I don't want him to recover. Right. So, yeah. In 1915, so that was that was actually a year, you know, a year and a handful of months after uh, his, mo- his, his mom, mom died. Yeah. In 1915, Bernard Stillfelder, the 15-month-old son of the Giffords' closest neighbors, George and Martha Stolfelder, became ill with pneumonia. Okay. So Bertha immediately became, you know, she yeah. came to the family's aid. She tended to Bernard for a few days before complications occurred. What the fuck? I, complications in quotes. The little boy began screaming and writhing in his crib as he suffered from stomach cramps. So stomach cramps again. After three days of this, he died. What the fuck? So this is, this is four people. Right. All close so to her. So her first her husband. De- her first husband, her mother-in-law, her brother-in-law, and then this, this baby. His parents were actually grateful to her for trying to help him. And they sang her praises to other neighbors. So poor baby. Uh, yeah. Um, like what is like, you, like, sure. We get into this, but like, what the fuck is your motive here? Like I do, like I understand the Munchausen by, by proxy for her husband and her mother-in-law right. and her, her uh, brother-in-law, because it's like those people are all close to her and people are like, Oh, you poor thing. You've lost all these people. But like a baby that you're do- of your neighbor, like, well, you, you have to wonder, like if she, it says that she got all gussied up for funerals and stuff. And she was at every single funeral oh, Jesus. and people were seeing, she was getting attention. Right. And like, Oh, you took such good care yeah, of this baby. Maybe that's all it would be. Yeah. That's all it would take. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I, I don't think that they ever figured out what her motive was. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, clearly she's not well, but yeah. Power maybe. I mean, so um, after the funeral on one night in 1917, the gift had an unwelcome visitor, a relative of Eugene's named Sherman Pounds. Sherman Pounds? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pound sand. <laughs> Pound sand. Sherman Pound sand. He showed up that night on their doorstep so drunk that he could barely stand. So Sherman, you know, despite being a drunk, he was well-liked and funny. And at 53 was a widower who cared for his five young children. Fuck so, no. I mean, the guy liked to drink. He yeah. just like, what? you know, I mean, and then he got he, five young kids. I get it. Yeah. And he just like stumbled up onto his, you know, cousin's porch. And uh, apparently Bertha was not happy to see him. So, so, and this was Eugene's like cousin or something okay, just like, like a relative. Friend. Yeah. I don't know who was watching the kids. Yeah. He was doing that, <laughs> but takes the village. She helped Eugene get him into bed, and then she told him she would mix him a tonic to help him with the terrible hangover he was bound to wake up with. Sure. But, as you guessed, Sherman never woke up. So, in the middle of the night, he started screaming in pain. He was plagued with stomach cramps, and he was actually dead by the time the sun came up. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. So, the doctor, doctor, an actual doctor, uh, the only physician in the area... Uh, Dr. Hemker declared that Sherman had died from alcohol poisoning, which I find laughable. So basically everyone was saying like, it was only a matter of time before something like this happened. And he just couldn't keep drinking that way without, you know, having ill effects on his body. Everyone agreed. Everybody agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and they also said like, he'd never been the same since the death of his wife and like, but he had five kids and they said he was happy generally and he just liked to drink a lot 
About eight months later, Jim Ogle, a farmhand who worked for the Giffords, he began just kind of feuding like back and forth with Eugene over unpaid wages. Um, he soon became sick. God. Doctor, the same doctor, Dr. Hemker, diagnosed his illness as malaria, which I, guess I don't know what the symptoms of malaria are. But... You get it from mosquitoes. I yeah. Think. And as far as I know, like I had a roommate in college that did the Nurses Without Borders yeah. and she went to Africa a couple times and she got typhoid twice and she got malaria once. What? Yeah. Malaria never leaves your system. Like once you get malaria, you have it for life. Oh God. Oh. I mean, she lost a lot of weight. She looks really good. <laughs> I don't know. It's like when people got mono and they got super thin and you're like, fuck you. Yeah. Seriously. But I want mono. <laughs> I want mono. <laughs> I do. I remember my best friend, Amy and like, God, what grade was it when she got it? I think it was like ninth, maybe ninth grade. Eighth or ninth grade, I remember. And she got so thin. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. You didn't have any weight to lose. And you guys, I'm not mono. What? Yeah, I know. Um, I was a kiss. The kissing this game. After Jim Ogle was diagnosed with malaria, of course, Bertha offered to nurse him back to health. Keep in mind, this guy was actively fighting with Bertha's husband before uh. that. On November 17th, 1917. Bertha traveled to the nearby town of Pacific to do her monthly shopping. Um, she stopped in at the drugstore and she told the pharmacist that rats were biting her chickens and stealing eggs. Like, yikes! you would kill a rat a oh, bit, your chicken. Yeah. yeah. No, the chick, my chickens will eat. I mean, we don't have big rats here. Well, I, maybe we do. But they just don't hang out in my chicken coop. We have huge we have snapping turtles. Of, you know, we have lots of mice. Almost every night I look out there and there's a little mouse eating their food in their coop. I'm like, you little bastard. The chickens are going to kill you. I think they will. They'll like eat them whole. Really? Yes. Oh my God. I don't want eggs from a chicken that ate a mouse. (laughs) Yeah. That's like, that's like a mouse chicken egg. Yeah. That's what nightmares are made of. God bless. They actually eat. Oh yeah. They'll like, they'll just like, are you serious? it's, It's crazy. I've seen them eat one before. Oh my god. Um that's horrifying. Yeah. Uh, this is why I don't trust birds. Yeah, they're like dinosaurs, you know. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh she said that's why she needed uh to buy rat poison. Uh, yeah, a package of arsenic. Cool. Base rat poison. I'm sorry, I am still just stunned <laughs> that like chicken will eat a mouse. Chickens eat mice. They literally eat anything. Like, they will just eat whatever. I thought they were vegetarian. Oh, no, no. Like, like Thanksgiving, when we have the car, like, when I get a rotisserie chicken, which sounds really disgusting and cruel, um, I will bring the carcass out, and they'll pick it clean. They'll, like, pick every bit of meat off of that carcass. That is some Jeffrey yeah. Dahmer bullshit. <laughs> they like, love their meat. They love <laughs> I can't. I will never look at them uh, the same. Yeah, it's pretty... Crazy. I told you that I hate birds and you were like, you can trust chickens. Yeah, and no, you can't. No, you can't. If, if you died, it's like cats. Like they'll eat you. I don't think Raylan would eat me. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Raylan for sure. Look at him. Yeah. <laughs> After about eight hours of not getting fed, he'd be like, well, okay, what's, where's my, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. that's true. He has chewed through a dog, a bag of dog food. Yeah, before. maybe Lena has too. Well, chubby chubs now rosie she will be the reason i am yeah, dead exactly yeah will kill you yeah. and her and Raylan have made a plan rosie yeah like, i'll do the rosie will work. sell off pieces yeah. of my body 
They'll be like black market. Yeah, she will. She'll Cat looks for food. Yeah, black we'll market. Trade <laughs> black food. market kidney. Yeah. Oh my god, she's so horrible. So, so Bertha bought this arsenic, but she, uh, in order to purchase it, she had to sign a poison registry. Oh, that's I didn't know that they had those. That's yeah. I think crazy. it's funny because also, they don't, don't have that anymore. Right? No. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> like no. they just have surveillance cameras at yeah. Walmart. <laughs> So yeah, so she she had to sign this registry to purchase it. And the next day, Jim Ogle suddenly got much worse. Shocking. Uh, yeah. He, be- he began complaining of sharp stomach pains. So again, Dr. Hemker was called and explained that the stomach pains were another symptom of malaria. Okay, this guy really needs to like start <laughs> connecting the dots. Because like, I like, get I realized it. there wasn't a lot out there at the time but like there had to have been enough medical literature for him to know to be like oh this woman has been very closely related to several and stomach cramp killings stomach cramp. stomach cramp yeah deaths. like people that have died in agony yeah like so I just, just kind of curious yeah now she's always there <laughs> flitting around yeah. with a little packet <laughs> yeah <laughs> and inner biscuits yeah <laughs> Like a little packet of poison. You made a little, a little packet of poison. Like, 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 like a Splenda packet. Like, pouring it in. Like a, oh my God. Like a little Splenda packet barista. I think like, arsenic does look like yeah. Splenda. So she's over there with her little Splenda packet of arsenic. So yeah. So this doctor is not great. So he just said like, hey, this is because I diagnosed him with malaria earlier and and this is just Obviously another just symptom. symptom. Yeah. But ironically, he was right. Like stomach pains, nausea, diarrhea, they can all be symptoms of malaria or eating at Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> just shut your mouth. <laughs> that dip cone is everything. <laughs> just don't leave your debit yeah. card. <laughs> that's Wendy's. Okay? That's Wendy's. It hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> okay. Have me some slack. <laughs> Dairy Queen ice cream is not real ice cream. Oh my God. I... It's like some kind of manufactured bullshit that that's whatever like- to eat their own Kate. I love the DQ. There's a DQ close to us, but I get very frustrated because my favorite thing at DQ <laughs> is a butterscotch dip cone. Me too. It's like the best thing. That oh, have. I like the dilly bar. Oh yeah. Well, if it's a butterscotch dilly bar, it's a but I don't like any of the other. No, bar. I like butterscotch. Butterscotch. And, and then they, they don't have it. No, nope. up there, like a couple of years back. It was like right after, right or no, it was like right after there was like all of that construction yeah. on the road there. And it was like the summer right after and they had survived somehow. And, and they're like, thanks so much for coming back and showing your support. And I'm like, I'll have a butterscotch chip cone. I'm like, oh, sorry, we don't have that. And I'm like, <laughs> I just left. Like after like, thank you so much for your support and for being here. And I'm like, I don't want shit from you. You guys fucking suck. <laughs> Do you remember the last time we walked there? And... Okay, and I I asked if they had uh, marshmallow sauce. No. Oh yeah, I asked if they had marshmallow sauce, and they said no. And I got really sad. Then I just said, "Okay, fine, we'll have a hot dog." <laughs> a very a very great substitute: marshmallow sauce, hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. No. Then after um, it was like yeah. weeks, several weeks after that happened, I like begrudgingly went to DQ again with like I think it was probably Sammy and Chris. And I walk up and I'm like, oh, you know, do you want anything? I'm like, no. Sad face. 
And then I look and I'm like, no, because you guys took away the butterscotch chip cone. And like, actually, we brought it back. They were like, we had so many complaints. And I'm like, <laughs> look but at you, you little it. social justice warrior. Exactly. She's making changes. Yeah, <laughs> After the Dairy Queen's one butterscotch dip cone. She's going to take time. her butterscotch cone straight to the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> To fight for our rights. <laughs> to have butterscotch. This is justice, guys. This is about justice. Someone will come up to you okay? and be like, are you here for the abortion protest? Like, like, no, no I'm here for butterscotch. I thought this was the butterscotch <laughs> protest. <laughs> like, oh, no, that's that's on that, the other steps. Yeah, and there's like two, just me. two children and you. Yeah. yeah. Like, we and they're just like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you bullied us into coming. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So, fingers crossed. I haven't been there yet this year because, you know, it's been fucking cold. Yeah. But fingers crossed that Butterscotch is there. Well, I'll go with you next yeah. time. And we'll, we'll... I ask every time. I'm like, guys, please. Don't yeah. go on the way to the seasonal flavor. And Butterscotch is the least popular. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. Take a fucking tally. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> cherry is. No one likes fucking cherry. Oh, my God. I hate cherry dip cones. Oh, gross. They're gross. They got... Oh, God. Don't get me started. Well, you know what? If they don't have it, I will threaten to camp in front of their Dairy Queen and they'll say, <laughs> you can't camp here. And I'll say the whole time. And I'll be like, listen, pal, I don't have kids. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a hobby yeah. and I have social anxiety. I can do this all day. <laughs> like, like, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll bring back the... <laughs> The dip coat, the yeah. butterscotch dip. Dear God, woman. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I would offer to drive to another Dairy Queen <laughs> like, to get the butterscotch. No, I what? want it from here. Yeah. Well, I mean, and bring the butterscotch back to the right. employees. I know. Like, do I just get a vat of butterscotch? No, they told me that. So, unfortunately, they only have enough room for, like, two different dipped flavors. Oh. And I can't. So, they were like, we only have room. Because, you know, it's like a small DQ. Yeah. One of those walk-up ones. Yeah. For those that aren't picturing. You know DQ. what? You can buy a shed online. I'm like, yeah, get, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you need me to go to Menards and get you a shed? Because I'll do it. Yeah. And you can just put it right on top of this Dairy Queen. <laughs> this is a to- another total sidebar. But, you know, my our love for Menards, obviously. I think this was while, this was during our break where I sent you the text of my son. One night we were just like in his room reading and I was saying goodnight and he sits on his bed and he starts singing, save big money at Menards. And I swear that was like the most proud I've ever been. <laughs> like totally unprompted. Yeah. Uh, yes. I oh said, my God. The video. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, we have our next Menards. And it turns out that one of the teachers, so his teachers at his school who are absolutely the best ever, um, it's a mother and daughter. And the mother's husband comes in on Fridays. He's a retired school teacher. So he comes in on Fridays to have like lunch with them. And he retired from his teaching job and now works at Menards part-time. So he'll come in and like, he talks all about Menards and we'll bring like them like little Menards stickers and stuff. It's the cutest. So Uh, Lincoln's a Menards lover like us. Can we meet him? Yeah. Oh, I've met him many times. Oh, He's fantastic. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah. So this doctor- (laughs) How did we get here? Yeah, how did we get here? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So diarrhea. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Somehow diarrhea. Symptom of malaria. But a high fever is also always accompanies malaria. Okay. And Jim didn't have one. Oh. So he suffered for two more days oh, God. before he died on November 20th. And Dr. Hemker said again, acute gastritis. That was, Oof. yeah. 
not again. Dr. Hemker. Well, he said that for the last person. Too, oh, yeah, right? yeah. He did, so, actually. Yeah, so that's like his diagnosis cute, for the past cute. like 87 people who have died in yeah. Bertha's care. Like, Imodium would make a fortune <laughs> off this dude. Like, <laughs> or off Bertha, like, yeah. Like, like, did he have a pi- private contract with Big Pharma? <laughs> like, I, I just want to know. I smell a conspiracy. <laughs> I do. I do. Hmm. <laughs> And Bertha was in on it too. Yeah, of course she was. We were looking for a motive. That's the motive. That's it right there. She and Dr. Hemker are in on this together. Actually, they really did think for a while that they were in on it together. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, like, how did he not, as a doctor, put the puzzle together? Like, I've met some pretty dumb doctors, so, like, just. I mean, like, you hear, like, people being misdiagnosed. I mean, again, like, there are, there are, of course, you have to be, you do have to have a certain intellect to become a doctor because it takes a lot of stunning stuff. But like you also, you could probably get through without having like analytical skills. That same year, Margaret. Okay, wait, so let's back this up. So, okay. okay, So we've got. Yeah. Her first husband. Her first husband. Her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law, her brother-in-law, the the relative, the baby. Oh yeah. And then the the relative of Eugene. Oh yeah. That was the the drunk. drunk. Yep. Yeah. That the and then the farmhand. Okay, so we're up to six right Jeez now. Jesus, and she hasn't been caught. So, and these are in close to succession. Yeah, it's not like it's like years because the mother-in-law was killed in no, 19, it was 1912. Okay, yeah, nineteen twelve. The brother-in-law was killed in nineteen thirteen. Oh, I guess there was a four. Oh no, and then in nineteen fifteen. Yeah. So there's like a two. Was the baby? Uh, was the baby nineteen seventeen? Was the the drunk? relative I, I i know he shouldn't be remembered as the drunk but yeah and then eight months after that was the farmhand yeah so she's picking up they're definitely close enough where there should be some like yeah the time the time in between is getting less and less sure so that and, right. and so we've seen that a million times with other serial killer cases yep. so amping up i have to believe that's she's got she got a taste of the sugar and she yeah. wants more <laughs> it's just so weird but that's, <laughs> that's <what> it is <laughs> So in 1918, uh, a nine-year-old girl named Beulah Pounds is the granddaughter of the drunk guy, Sherman Pounds. Beulah also died from what was diagnosed as acute gastritis. Uh, Her parents, Jesse and Marguerite Pounds, had taken her to Bertha for help. So So she had some underlying thing, went to Bertha, and Bertha made everything worse. A different doctor that that time uh, signed the death certificate. That same year... Uh, Margaret, the two-year-old daughter, so she's like going for kids. Oh my god! Of George and Francis Stuhlfelder, whose son Bernard had died under Bertha's care in 1915. We forgot about Bernard. No, yeah, no, he was the baby. Oh, baby, yeah, yes, that the that's baby right. Bernard. That's right. Uh, came down with pneumonia. No, no. So they summoned Dr. Hemker to treat her, and he prescribed a medication for her that didn't really do anything. When Margaret's condition got worse, they of course turned to Bertha who immediately came to the house with her bag of tonics. So she very dramatically explained that Margaret was desperately ill and unlikely to recover, but she would do her best to care for her anyway. Um, She remained next to the bed for the next two days. And then Margaret suddenly began crying in pain and vomiting uncontrollably. So she died the next day. My God, no, a two year old is Parents, their second, second kid, kid to die at her hand. Yeah. On February 28th, 1921. Um, Dr. Hemker, here he comes again, 
listed the cause of death as acute gastritis. Oh my God. Come on, man. Yeah. Um, but also it kind of makes you wonder, like, did she actually think that she, cause you hear about those nurses that they like in their head, they really, they're like, I was helping, I was, you know, putting them out of their misery. Yeah. Um, You know, or not even that, like they really just think they're helping and that like the death of them is some bizarre coincidence or some yeah they're like shocked when they code yeah 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 exactly so i kind of wonder if she was just mentally ill and thought she was and thought she was helping helping and maybe with sherman she thought well he's he drinks all the time and like he's not a good father to his five children and yeah so so there's like either she really thought she was helping like she didn't see herself in she's justifying it or she thought like she was justifying it so like i think there's two it could have been like she was justifying it and that like, she was like, well, I'm making the world a better place by getting rid of these people. Right. Yeah. Or she truly like in her head was like, no, I'm doing like these magic tonics will help them. And then they die. And she's like, just as surprised as everybody else, you know? Right. But it, like arsenic is yeah, so like, different no from those. Like it's... Ars- no one or everyone knew arsenic was poisonous at that point. Like it's used to kill rats. Yeah. She knows that yeah. too. So Okay, so Margaret passes away. Margaret passes away February 1921. Again, it's diagnosed as acute gastritis. December 26, 1922. So almost two years later, Bertha was caring for a little girl while her mother was away on a shopping trip. Yeah, like why would you leave a child in her care? Well, I thought she was such a good person. Exactly. Uh, Ironically, her name was Beulah Pounds. Oh, okay. She was a relative of the girl who had died under Bertha's care in 1918. So she was an, it was the Beulah Pounds, like the second. The second. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she was also the granddaughter of Sherman Pounds, who had died at the Giffords home in 1917. So by the time that Beulah's mother, Essie, returned from her trip, the little girl was crying from a bad stomach ache. And yeah, you're right. She was three. Bertha offered to care for the girl overnight and Essie agreed. She stayed up with the girl all night. And by the morning, Beulah was much worse. Her pa- her mother sent for Dr. Hemker, like in a panic. And by the time he got there, she had passed. So Bertha described Beulah's symptoms to the to the doctor. And he once again listed gastritis right. as the, the cause of death. This guy. He's right. It makes you wonder. Yeah, it does. Like, I mean, what a fucking idiot. He's either a complete idiot, which is most likely. Beulah wasn't buried until January 5th, 1923. Her aunt had insisted on a postmortem for the child. Oh. Yeah. The first time that that anyone was like, that "Eh, anyone was a little suspicious. She honestly seems to be like the only person that thought it was suspicious that another child from the same family had died from the same thing under the same same person's care. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, again, it makes you wonder. Do- because Dr. Hemker was insistent that it was not Beulah and he dismissed the idea of anything resembling foul play. Bertha, however, she was furious that anyone would suspect that she caused the little girl's death. Um, well, after, after being involved in like 15 kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah death, exactly. Like, it's gonna, it's bound to happen. Essie Pounds would later tell a local paper uh, my sister thought things looked pretty funny because my father also died in Mrs. Gifford's house after he was taken with acute stomach pains there. Mrs. Gifford was typically a quiet woman, but she sure got mad and she said some tor- terrible things. So the death caused a rift between Bertha and the Pounds family, causing them to exclude her from the family. So 
Beulah's funeral was the only one that Bertha missed. Oh, during her all of her years in Kelly. Wow. Yeah. So a third child from the Stuhlfelder's family, seven-year-old Irene, became sick shortly Wait, after Beulah's death. What the fuck? Death. What did? Yeah. What was? What were these people doing? I I don't. What know. was this family doing? It's okay. Yeah. Keep going. I want to hear. So uh, Irene's mother, Frances, she had later told a grand jury. Irene had always been troubled with worms. And when she got sick in 1923, we called Dr. Hemker. Right. So he prescribed some stomach powder and she seemed to be getting along very well. When Mrs. Gifford came by, Mrs. Gifford nursed her and she started to vomit. She was sick nine days at the time that she died. Oh my God. So this was the third child that this one family had the lost third child at this birth. They had died under Jesus. her care. So, after once, it's like, shame on you. After two, shame on me. Like, why are you letting your kids around this woman no. who has killed three of your children now? Right. So when the grand jury later asked Mrs. Stuhlfelder if she was troubled by the fact that she had a third child that died under Bertha's care, she said, we did not think anything strange about the death of our children. Everyone in this part of the country knows that Mrs. Gifford has a wide reputation as a nurse. Mm. Well, and, and it's like the time, like there aren't very many medical doctors. And if she is a well-known nurse, and I mean, honestly, if, if, if it's kids are going to die during this time period, kids are right. dying. And so it could just be seen as like, well, we called this nurse because our kids were near the end of their life. And yeah, our kid died with the nurse, but they were right. going to die anyway. Right. So maybe right. that's their thought process. I, I mean, and they were very trusting. I, you yeah. know, and you know, if you take into account, like, the people that she healed. Yeah, right, right. You might be like, oh, like, because yeah. we have no idea how yeah, many maybe people. maybe she had a great like, success she, rate. She had a great success rate. Yeah, we don't know. Had a really unusual death rate <laughs> as well. So then two years passed quietly. And then in June 1925, Ethel Schamel, a Gifford neighbor, became sick. Ethel and her husband, George, were by all appearances close friends of Eugene and Bertha. Oh, no. I think if there's a lesson to be learned here, don't be friends with Bertha. <laughs> don't be friends with your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we failed. Yeah. <laughs> we failed. Yeah. So they were even related to them, like sort of, like sort of cousins somewhere down Just the line. Cousins. I think everyone was related in that area back then. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably true. Like, yeah. You, actually, you kind of move around. It's really like back then for any like small town. Yeah. I think a lot of them are yeah. like. Where my dad grew up in Hereford, Oregon, like his, our family was the first to settle there yeah. in the Burnt River Valley. And uh, it was like all our family. Yeah. And like right. six different families. So yep. yeah, yeah. So George often helped Eugene around the farm and the couples often ate together. So when Ethel became ill, Bertha, of course, offered yeah. to nurse her back to health. Uh. So, so it sounds like what she does is she like wait, she probably really like waits for a yeah. sick person. Yeah, she does. And so it's like so we'll be suspicious. Yeah, yeah. So they're sick to start off. She doesn't make them sick. It's not like she's getting making. She did sick. her first husband. Though. Yeah, that that right. And maybe but honestly, I would too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a spiteful bitch. Probably yeah. the mother-in-law and brother-in-law and brother-in-law because she was tired of them. Yeah. And the and Sherman. Yeah. The yeah. Drunk guy. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part, like people that like the kids or they were all like legitimately sick with something. Yeah. Probably could have gotten better. People instead... that weren't already in her home. Right. Yeah. Because if they were, if they were already in her home, I mean, it would be less suspicious, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So when Ethel became ill, so Bertha was with her. And then uh, a few days later, Ethel died. She was only 33 years old. Oh, honey. About two months later, to add insult to injury, um, Ethel and George's son, Lloyd, died very suddenly. So he was nine years old and in completely fine health um, until he spent the night at the Giffords house. Two months after that, his seven-year-old brother, Elmer, also died. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. It's starting to, she's starting to, like, really pump pump it up. Pump it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, She's speeding things up. So, and then a month after that. A month. Yeah. Leona Schammel, George's sister. So, remember, George is the father of these kids. Oh, yeah. yeah. And his wife has died. Yeah. And now now two of his children. Two of his children. Now, his sister became sick. She was confined to her bed with stomach pains and vomiting. And Bertha quickly stepped in to care for oh, her. Bertha. Leona died two days later. She was 37. Good God. Dr. Hemker signed all four of the Shamal death certificates. That guy, like what a fucking idiot. Yeah. it's It does note that he was reluctant to do so. Up until now, like he seemed to be completely clueless or yeah. inexperienced or both, you know. But now... He just, you know, started to wonder about what's going on. Yeah. He had recommended an autopsy after Elmer Shop Elmer Shamel had died, but George wouldn't agree to it. Um, which was common back then, I think, you know, uh for religious purposes. Yeah. They didn't they didn't want them to uh do autopsy autopsies. Deciding not to press the issue with George, he cited the cause of death for Elmer as uh acute gastritis. God. After the Shamel deaths. Bertha's neighbors started whispering about okay. possible fl- foul okay. play. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was like, what's a small community? Like yeah. are people starting to think so mortality rates were high in rural Missouri yeah. in the 1920s, but they weren't that, that high. Like the 1920s. Yeah. It's not, you know, 1800 coming over and on the Oregon trail, you yeah. know, almost all of the people who had died had been healthy and strong one day and mortally ill. The yeah. Next. Right. So, uh, they had all died at Eugene and Bertha's house. The rumors started to spread and a few people wrote anonymous letters to Franklin County prosecuting attorney, what? Frank Jenny, urging an investigation, but no action was taken. Oh, so shit. Bertha was safe for now. But the community started to turn. Yeah. Her. The community is a little suspicious. Suspicious uh, <laughs> so enough to write anonymous letters. Yeah, right. To the prosecutor. Yeah. Talk shit behind her back. Yeah. Never to a murderer's face. Never to a murderer's face. You could be next. You don't know. You could could run across Bertha on a hot day and she could offer you a glass of lemonade and it looks pretty damn good. Yeah. So, and then you're dead. During Prohibition, Eugene, much like so many others uh, in the, in that same rural county, kept a still in his barn to make homemade liquor. Sure. So yes, you do. it was good quality, whatever passes for good quality. Uh, and he sold off the excess to neighbors and townsfolk, which earned the Gifford some extra money. So Eugene also had a friend named Gus Unterstall who helped him with distribution. At some point, Gus and Eugene got into a feud over money. It became so heated that Bertha ended up running Gus off the property with a Ooh. butcher's knife. Okay. Yeah. I'm okay. I mean, some- as you do. Yeah. Gus came back a few days later feeling shameful, but Bertha just wasn't having it. So before he could get out of the truck, she was on the porch with a knife in her hand. Oh my God. Yeah. So she told him that if he set foot on her property, she cut him up into little pieces. 
<laughs> Gus called the sheriff and Bertha was arrested. Oh, okay. yeah. Not for killing all yeah, these people. For the butcher knife. But she was holding a knife yeah. on his porch. Yeah. Uh, and no charges were filed against okay. her. I like had forgotten that she was married. Like all this time, like she's got a husband. Yeah. Like is. And it's largely his family that is. Yeah. I wonder if he's like. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Like. Or he's just a dummy. Yeah. Yeah. A little dumb dumb. Like she seems to be the smartest one (laughs) in this whole thing. Um, In 1926. Gus's mother. So the guy that Eugene got in a fight with over the liquor money. Uh, Clementine became sick and Bertha offered to care for her. Even if, if, even if you didn't know that she was like, like murdering people, I wouldn't want the, like the, like somebody that I had a feud with to care for my mother. Yeah. Not. Yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing, but also like, I guess he just assumed that Bertha had forgiven him. Yeah. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. So, so, and she had it. Yeah. <laughs> Bertha don't forget. Yeah. Bertha does not forget. <laughs> because Clementine died on February 9th, just days after Bertha started nursing her. Her death certificate stated the cause of death as chronic myocarditis or heart failure. Okay. <laughs> so things got quiet again God. until early 1927 when prohibition agents dropped in at the farm and destroyed Eugene's still. Uh, yeah, his okay. still. So he was arrested. Oh, okay. Yeah, and fined, but he didn't spend any time in jail. Bertha was outraged. So we're getting a little taste of like Bertha's temper, sure. which is what, you know, Essie was talking about. Yeah. Essie Pounds was talking about her temper. So when the agents had first showed up, she chased him off the farm with a shotgun, but this wasn't like scaring away a local. Yeah. you know, farm boy or whatever. Uh, federal agents took their job seriously. Uh, Bertha kept insisting that Eugene had done nothing wrong. Times were tough. <laughs> and he was just Which trying. True. And he would just try to make ends meet. It's like fair. That's, yeah, that's it fair. is. I get that. Everyone on the bend, most of whom made their own liquor, yeah. uh, felt the same way. So the fine was a financial blow for the couple and Bertha was angry. <laughs> I'm like one of the, yeah, those federal agents are lucky. Um, <laughs> but Bertha's next victim landed literally on her doorstep oh, no. on May 15th, 1927. Okay. One of uh, Eugene's farmhands, 49 year old Ed Brindley collapsed drunk the evening of May 15th, 1927, right on the Giffords porch, which was probably the worst mistake of his life. Yeah. Eugene and Bertha managed to get him in the house and put him in the spare room to sleep it off. When Brinley woke the following day, Bertha gave him some homemade lemonade to help with his hangover. When Brinley woke the following day, his headache was quickly forgotten when he began experiencing stabbing stomach pain. Naturally. So a few hours later, he died in agony. Dr. Hemker was called, but was nervous about recording another death as acute gastritis. So he summoned a second doctor from the nearby town of Pacific for his opinion. They could not agree on a cause of death. So Hemker wrote acute unknown disease and acute gastritis on the death certificate. Interesting. Listen to this. Bertha took charge of Brinley's funeral arrangements and had his body picked up by the local undertaker. Okay. Yeah. It, like she takes charge of, it's just weird. Yeah. And I wonder if she's like, 
trying to manage the suspicion. Yeah. yeah I mean, she's obviously I, a control freak. Yes. That's a, she like, <laughs> likes to be in the limelight. She likes to have control. So, yeah. But also to like cast suspicion off of her. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I kill someone and then arrange their funeral? Yeah. Right. So there's some suspicion. Like the doctor has, has had to get a second opinion. Yeah. He's like, He's like, well, I don't want to do this again. Yeah, like, yeah, again, Bertha. Like, like, what if, what if, what if, yeah. what if she's killing them? <laughs> yeah, you idiot. Yeah, she fucking <laughs> is. Yeah, she, you mean, yeah, she is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so Bertha just took charge of this funeral. Brinley's estranged wife was unhappy about that and arranged to uh, have yeah. his body taken to Pacific instead. <laughs> okay. Uh, the undertaker sure. there, John Phoebes, did excellent work he had an excellent reputation and that would come back to bite bertha in the ass okay the walls are caving in. the walls are caving in the house of cards is falling oh my god (laughs) what other things they're circling the wagons (laughs) um neighbors looked at everything bertha did with suspicion they're like yeah we know that your husband made some good you know high quality (laughs) liquor no, uh, but you like, but we talked you about it, people. Yeah, and we think murder's worse. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Bertha just ignored the gossip. She she actually came to Ed Brindley's funeral wearing her best black <laughs> yeah, morning dress. She loves doing that, and she quietly took charge of the proceedings. Oh my god, which what is a so weirdo. twisted. It is greeting. She greeted the mourners as if Ed had been her husband Yikes. and not merely <laughs> I, what a weirdo yeah, that it's the attention so fucking weird as news of this latest death continued to spread the prosecutor he he just continued to ignore the situation so it finally took a newspaper reporter from st louis to get the authorities to take action so he received an anonymous letter i want to know who this anonymous letter yeah, I know. is just like this nosy nelly just sitting up in her farm oh it's eugene or the doctor help i'm trapped (laughs) this woman's gonna be the death of me literally yeah 100 percent, eugene 100 percent. and he came back to the county to look into the story after the anonymous letter okay and after nosing around town he wrote a story naming at least five people five which is i think is a conservative conservative estimate estimate. um who had died mysteriously while under bertha's care there were more, as we know, but yeah. that was a start. Yeah. So the, the suspicions about Bertha were finally becoming a matter of public record. So finally, in November of 1927, Frank Jenny, the prosecutor, yeah. who refused to take any action before, right. uh, he impaneled a grand jury to investigate Ed Brinley's death. Bertha was... Sorry, Ed Brinley was which one? Do you remember? The the most recent okay, one. The, the farmhand. Farm yep. Okay. Yep. Where she took charge of the funeral. Got and it. Like, yeah. Got it. Acted like he was her husband. Bertha was enraged. Naturally. Yeah. She told anyone who would listen that all she'd ever done was try and help people. And doesn't this remind you of there's something about Pam oh, or whatever? Yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It's that yeah. by it's that by proxy stuff, that Munchausen yeah. by proxy. It's so uh-huh. weird. She began threatening libel suits against anyone who spoke against her. And Meek Eugene remained loyal to her and assisted in the harassment, even swearing at old friends in the middle of the street if they dared to speak out against his wife. Uh, Poor guy. Yeah, he just... He believed it. He believed her. He did, yeah. yeah. The Giffords managed to intimidate their neighbors to such an extent that no one was willing to testify against Bertha. She was basically menacing 
witnesses, like intimidating, harassing, menacing, holy shit, material witnesses. As a result, the grand jury was uh, failed to indict her, and Bertha and Eugene moved to Eureka, Missouri, uh, hoping to make a fresh start. Her former neighbors, anonymously, of course, kept up the pressure on on the prosecutor, who summoned another grand jury in August of 1928. So she's literally been at this since 1912. Yes. Yeah, and her husband was before that. Yeah. So, yeah, like we're talking about 16 years. She just, or in Katie's math, 25, 26 years, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, that she's been at this. So pr- the prosecutor, Frank Jenny, managed to get the poison books from the two pharmacies in Pacific. And uh, that, of course, had all the details, you know, of the large amounts of arsenic Bertha right. had been buying since 1911. So each time she'd signed for it, she had written for rats. Why the fuck did the person selling the poison not be like, oh, how many rats do you have, Bertha? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I doubt there were other people getting like pounds and pounds of arsenic. She lived on a farm. Yeah, you're right. Like she was running a boarding house. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe there were. Maybe they didn't have chickens who eat rats. They don't have the good chickens. Oh, God. I still, I still, that'll haunt me forever. (laughs) Uh once the prosecutor had the hard evidence in hand, witnesses were finally willing to talk because they were like, okay, this isn't going to fall through yeah. and she won't kill me. Right. While the grand jury was hearing evidence about Bertha's poison purchases and listening to Frank Jenny's, the, the prosecutor's suspicions that she had killed at least nine people, other witnesses were finally coming forward because they finally had the courage to do it. And they contacted the prosecutor on their own with their own stories of suspicious deaths, which Jenny then cross-referenced to with Bertha's poison purchases. Oh. Right. So, like, of course, this is during a time when they didn't have the internet right. and, like, you know, and keep in mind that that Eugene and Bertha lived in a different town yeah. before where she had killed. Sure. And then they were in Catawissa and she killed. Yeah. And then she moved to with this other town and she killed again. Yeah. So it's it's hard to keep track. Like it's hard, like we've talked about it before, like how there was no communication yeah. right up until the 2000s. There yeah. was no communication between counties. Yeah. But the prosecutor did through this cross-referencing of poison purchases and, and asking around, he, he did find out that she had killed, he he believed, 17 people, making her one of the most prolific female serial killers in American history. Holy crap. Yeah. A grand jury indictment was returned against Bertha Gifford on August 23rd, 1928. So 17 years. Jesus. That was only because when did she kill her husband? November 30th, 1906. So she is from 1906 to so 1928. 22. 22 years. Did the math. Yeah. Wow, you got it right. Accurate math. And you did not add 10 years on that. <laughs> That's amazing. Although the prosecutor was able to show the jury at least four instances when patients in her care died within four days of her purchasing the poison, she was only formally charged with two counts of first degree huh. murder. And that was for the deaths of Ed Brinley and seven-year-old Elmer Schommel. Okay. So none of the Schulfelders who lost three children. It's just appalling. Uh, Bertha was arrested on the morning of August 25th. She was taken to the police station in Union, Missouri, where she was given a cup of tea and sat down to chat with uh, Detective McDonald. And that's when she started talking. So 
Curiously, uh, she started complaining about the rumors going around claiming she had killed Sherman Pounds and little Beulah Pounds with poison. She denied giving arsenic to Beulah, but did admit that she'd given poison to Ed Brinley and Elmer and Lloyd Schommel to try and alleviate their pain. She had not done it to kill them, which is a bullface lie. Not, yeah. Not true. <laughs> Eugene was still convinced of his wife's innocence. Oh. Uh, yeah. Poor Eugene. Eugene. Uh, he loudly told everyone that he had been bullied or that she had been bullied into a false confession. Okay. Side note. If I had been a boy, I would have been named Eugene. Really? Yeah, because there's a guy in my there's like I have an ancestor named Eugene. Oh no, I'm I'm glad it was Kate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's quite a leap. Like yeah. from, oh. from Eugene to Kate. He then quickly hired a prominent lawyer named James Booth to defend Bertha. Booth promptly began trying to make over his client's image. So he paid for her hair to be colored and cut. Weird. Yeah. She I wonder what's wrong with the black of, hair. She, he didn't want her to be portrayed as like a murderous sure, middle-aged matron. So <laughs> in September, the court ordered the bodies of Ed Brinley and Lord Shamal to be exhumed. Oh, okay. Yeah. No autopsies have ever been conducted on the bodies. And Frank Jenny was confident in what a postmortem would reveal. The autopsies revealed that the stomachs showed signs of distress with ulcers and signs of an angry red rash, considerable amounts of arsenic, much more than a medicinal amount, sure. um, because they did use it yeah, for medicine right. back then, yeah. were found in the livers of both bodies. Oh, well, Bertha waited in jail for her trial. You know, stories started to spread about her behavior behind bars. Oh, so. God. After refusing to eat for three days, it was said that Bertha requested ice cream, probably from Dairy Queen. Yeah. Or ranch dressing. Or her. ranch dressing ice cream. Uh, and she wanted pink. to wear a nurse's uniform while she ate it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And, and the rumor oh, went Bertha. on to say that she would only speak to Eugene and only while she was wearing the nurse's uniform. <laughs> that is some kinky shit. Yeah. I'm behind bars. Yeah. Doctor, how can I help? I mean, maybe that's why, like, she nursed these people, like, she pretended to nurse these people because it was some kink she had with her husband. I mean, we all have our things. We all. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> Do we? <laughs> Katie. Not all of ours involve being a nurse behind bars <laughs> and killing people, but. Uh... <laughs> well, yours might. Yeah. First. Uh, <laughs> me and God. <laughs> between me and God. Bertha's trial began on um, November 19th of 1928. It was packed, of course. The jury was composed of 12 men, of course, because uh, it was 1928. Yep. Eight farmers, postal worker, a shoe worker, a fruit dealer, and a restaurant owner. So okay. a, real, a real variety. Yeah. <laughs> a smorgasbord, a variety if you will. There. Yeah. <laughs> Even though Bertha had been indicted on three counts of murder, Elmer Schnommel's death was later added after Bertha's oh, okay. statement. The prosecution decided to only try her for Ed Brimley's murder. Frank Jenny brought actual psychiatrists to the stand. And Interesting. Yeah. So they had only met Bertha once when they had been called to consult on the case. And Jenny had hoped that they found her sane and guilty of her crimes. Yeah. But calling the two psychiatrists to the stand turned out to be a misstep. And they examined Bertha and both declared she is unquestionably of unsound mind, suffering from chronic paranoia, paranoia and it's incurable. 
Oh. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of information, but. That's interesting, though. Yeah. Paranoia. Yeah. Like, what was she paranoid about, I wonder? But also, what did they think paranoia meant at the time? Like, what what kind of questions did they ask? Like, yeah. What were, they, what, was the, what were these, you know, what were the diagnoses based off of? Right. Exactly. So the jury came back after three hours of deliberation. She never took the stand. Um, 11 of them had voted not guilty, but one old farmer wanted to see her punished. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so the judge sent them out again and they came back after 10 this time with a verdict. Bertha was found guilty on the sole ground that she was insane at the time of the commission of the offense and has not recovered from such insanity. Uh, so not guilty by reason of insanity? No, so she was found guilty. But insane. Insane. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't think they had not guilty by reason of insanity yet. Yeah. Okay. At that so, time. So she was guilty, but also insane. But she was insane. Okay. Bertha had no visible reaction to the verdict. Uh, even though the George, the, even though the George, uh, Bertha had no visible reaction to the verdict, even after the judge ordered that she be remanded to a hospital for the criminally insane for the rest of her life. Yikes. Like yeah. that is a nightmare. Yeah. Truly like just no thanks. Yeah. And they said that her eyes just looked like dead, like Ugh. dead. I would dead I, dolls I at eyes. that point, like at, at that point in time, like in 1920, you know, 1930. No, <laughs> do not send me to a mental institution. No, they no. are not doing anything. And they're, they're people. overpopulated yeah. and, and there was no rehabilitation no. going on. No, I have read about a couple of doctors that actually did really care uh, and were trying to be pioneers in that area but, but they were like a couple <laughs> yeah it was like two yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why there's those, those asylums no. that, that are abandoned now are so fucking haunted yeah. because like, like people were just like literally abandoned miserable yeah and Ugh. they died agonizing yeah. deaths she'd fit right in yeah <laughs> probably yeah, like, she probably like uh, I know. helped helped the, a few people at the, the yeah asylums along there so now they're trying to figure out like what her motive was. And they were yeah. like, you know, she didn't charge uh, money for, to nurse these people. So they were like, surely it can't be profit. Yeah. Like they, they just don't know. They, they, you know, she could simply be like a sadistic killer yeah. who relished taking the lives of those that are under her control. Yeah. Like, and in 1928, it was unthinkable that a woman would, might be capable of something like that. Right. Like it was so depraved. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they found her to be insane. She might not have been. Yeah, she might have just, I mean. She might have had, like, she might have just been a cold, calculating killer. Why do serial killers kill in the first place? Like, there really aren't, uh, the, the reasons are internal. They, yeah. they enjoy doing it. Yeah. They, they get some sort of gratification. They do, it. whether it be sexual or, you know, yeah, whatever. nine times out of ten it is for, because it's usually a man. Yeah. It seems like with women, it's either money Control or revenge. Yeah. Those seem to be the... Who knows? Control. I don't yeah. know. It's just... This is a weird one. Yeah. Because children. Yeah, right. It's like... Like, like little... Come on. Little kids. Yeah. Like a baby. So after the trial, Bertha was sent to the state hospital located in Farmington, Missouri. On August 20th, 1951, Bertha died of a stroke. Hmm. So she lived to a ripe old age. Yeah. Cause she, so, she was so born in like 1876. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What that like, she was like 70. Yeah. She had spent the last 23 years of her life Four. in the state mental hospital. Uh, she had been a model prisoner. Not surprising. Yeah. Right. Uh, she can poison people in there. Yeah. Get this though. She worked in the hospital beauty shop. No. 
nothing. And then as a cook, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, I don't want to hey be guys, that. Thank uh, you. Um, I don't want to be that person, as, but as like, the lady at the airport would say, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Eugene. Yeah. I was going to ask about him. He had, he found another woman to oh, keep him company. Okay. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he found happiness. Yeah, hopefully. That didn't involve murder. Yeah, that didn't involve somebody killing other people. So he had uh, Bertha's body shipped to Pacific, Missouri, okay. and paid uh, for a private funeral for her okay. at Morse Mill. That's nice of him, I suppose. Yeah. she was. He's probably still terrified of her, yeah, right. even in death. <laughs> yeah. uh, and speaking of which, so she was buried in an unmarked grave in the local cemetery. Uh, a few oh. years later, he was buried a, feet, a few feet away. Oh, so he remarried but still wanted to be buried next mm-hmm. to her? Wow. That's how much control she had. Wow. Yeah. So Bertha actually lies in between the graves of her two husbands. What? Yeah. Holy and- crap. Talk about like a total power trip. Yeah. She's like, that's how I want to die. Like, I want to be buried between my eight husbands. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, wow. I'm a little bit. A little bit of, I have a little bit of admiration for that. <laughs> I do. I do. Like, you go, girl. Okay, like, she killed one of them. And the other one, she, she, she like, just like, she was imprisoned and like left him because yeah. she was in jail for killing people. Yeah. But she still had control she over still, him. He still had the freaking, yeah. God, that's, that's wild. <laughs> wow, Bertha. So, uh, she's, and she's also just a short distance from at least eight of her victims. Okay, that's fine. Like, oh. I have a thing, like, I don't, I don't know, like, when a killer is in the same right vicinity of their victims, it gives me a bad, I Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense that her grave would be unmarked. Yeah. Because that's pretty disrespectful. Yep, but yeah. the cemetery is actually like right next to the old uh morse mill hotel oh the old boarding house that uh bertha ran with her first husband wild so the hotel does have a reputation for being haunted um it's still around yeah uh this it dates back to the start of the tiny village and it survived the civil war it was used during bootleggers during prohibition so there's a long list of paranormal happenings connected to the place. So this guy bought it in like 2008 or something like that. And he was reporting that his contractors were saying like they hear phantom footsteps to sure. Like they've seen apparitions. And Unfortunately, it's closed to the public for the time being. Well, shit. Well, as soon as it opens, yeah, who, we're going, who will be the first two there? We're going, we're going. Yeah, and so plenty of people believe that Bertha Gifford is one of the many spirits that's still. I'm sure it is, and some of her victims probably too. No thanks, no thank you, no. Yes, please. (laughs) No, I'll go with you because you can talk to them. No, I can't talk. I just know that they're there, and then I'll go. Yeah, (laughs) Katie, I've got a bad feeling about this. It's getting kind of crowded. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so that's the story of the murderous matron of Missouri. God, Bertha. Bertha. That's why you don't name your kid Bertha. Like, no. There was, like, recently a post about how, like, when you, it's like, you name your kid, and they, they'll turn out to be what you name them. You know, like. Yeah. Like, Bertha. Not a great name. Yeah. Not a great name. That's why when my sister named her kids Colton Maverick. Right. I was like, who the fuck did you marry? Yeah. Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, is this like a Buick ad? I have no idea what's going on. No. But yeah. 
Yeah. If your kid rides a motorcycle through the school gym, I am not going to be surprised. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was like uh, Tom Hanks. It was was because Tom Hanks' kids. Like Colin Hanks. Colin. Colin. He's a beautiful human being. Great actor. Yeah. Good. Like very well, you know, put together. Yeah. And then there's Chet. And then there's Chet, who is a disaster. He is a walking dumpster fire. I'm like, of course. It wouldn't have been the other way around. No. It's because his name is fucking Chet. And I cannot believe, like, the first time I just found out about Chet, like everyone else. Yeah. Because I thought that, you know. Colin was the only beautifully made human from Tom Tom. and Rita Wilson only had, you know, angels for children. (laughs) But no. Chet. Chet. Yeah, that don't don't fucking name your kid Chet. Like, don't just think of these. He'll aspire to be a, a white rapper covered exactly. in tattoos. And and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, <laughs> that is what happened. Oh, uh, well, uh, thank you for sharing that story of all of the murders. Of all the murders. Of every murder ever. I lost count. I know. I there were like, like 17. Uh, yeah. I mean, and those are the only ones that they know of. I know. Like, come on. You, you, There's plenty. She didn't take a break for two years. No. No. She's a psycho. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. Please like us, write a review, tell your friends. I just realized that we've got some, like, really awesome reviews on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, you just to you. told me that. Like, thank you. We literally just read them, like, last week. I have, like, I keep an eye on, like, the Spotify reviews or, like, People who write on our pod. Yeah. For some reason, I just had not looked at the Apple podcast reviews and like, holy crap. Yeah. Love it. Yes. And like super, they like make our day. Oh, for sure. And, and my best friend, Emily. Yeah. She was like pissed last week. She was pissed last week because all we do is talk about Uncle Chris. <laughs> and so we'll, we'll talk about Emily now. So <laughs> I actually have, uh, I call her Mav because uh, we, we've been best friends since actually before birth because our mothers were in the same Lamaze class. I love that. And she was born it's like 19 days after me. That's like what is uh sisterhood of the traveling pants. Oh yeah. All of the moms were in the, the same Lamaze class. Oh. So that's how they all became best friends. So that's like your life. That's you. like my life. <laughs> well, it's one thing that I have in common with that movie, but <laughs> I would never fit in those pants. <laughs> um, they fit everybody, Kate. They don't. <laughs> it's impossible. impossible. <laughs> yeah. So shout out to to Mav. We've called each other Mav and Goose our whole life. And her sister-in-law, Kelly. Is that who one of the people yeah. that wrote the review? I loved it. It was so sweet. The only thing I remember about Kelly is that her thighs don't touch. Oh, Kelly. She's Good. a you gorgeous. Got a thigh gap. You got a beautiful little thigh gap. She's a gorgeous girl. You. Proud of you, girl. Yeah. <laughs> and they have beautiful children. Uh, and she listens to our murder podcast. Which so, I love. Thank which you. I love. Uh, another loyal fan is Meredith <laughs> out in DC working for FEMA. Oh, wow. No, oh. uh, Meredith, uh, thank you so much for listening. She actually texted me. Uh, was it, I think it was this Tuesday. She said, Are you going to have another episode? Like, are you going to have another episode on Thursday? Don't fuck with my life, Kate. (laughs) We're trying really hard, you guys. We're trying so hard not to fuck with your lives. But seriously, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, Like us, subscribe, tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Premeditated Podcast. Send us an email at thepremeditatedpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, tell your folks we says hi.
I still haven't listened to any music. No. There, I'll go. You're in the. 